Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Spirit Guide Society, the one and only Stephanie Aguilar was hosting In My Stead. Take it away, Stephanie. You rock. Thank you, Pedro. Tonight at the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand in downtown Los Angeles, we had the one and only Dr. Rachel Berry, master blender from the Glendronic in the house. We tasted through the entire core range, including the 12, the 15-year revival, the 18-year, and she also brought some special treats. What are these last remarks that you brought in for us? I brought in um, three of the new products for this year, um, which I'm here in the U.S. to launch. Um, so everyone here um, got a, a taste of of these whiskies first. Um, the Glendonic Portwood, the Glendonic uh, Cast Strength Batch 8, and also the 1993 Master Vintage. It was an amazing night of education, guys. Check out our podcast, spiritguidesocietypodcast.com. We are located on all podcast platforms. And check out our YouTube channel, smash that bell, and tell your friends to drink responsibly. That means don't get too drunk during the tasting and interrupt the doctor while she's talking. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Whiskey Society. Whiskey Society on a Wednesday tonight. You know, typically we do these on Monday nights, but we had to do this tonight because we have a very special guest in the house tonight. We have Dr. Rachel Berry from the Glendronic in the house. You know, it's always very exciting when we get a master blender or a master distiller come in, and especially when it's a female, because there are so many strong females in the industry, and I just want to say that I'm honored to be standing up here with you right now. We're all super excited. Your team has been so kind. They brought us food. That's amazing. That's something that we don't always do in the Whiskey Society, so thank you very much for feeding us. Everyone's super stoked about that. Um, So... How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Good Wednesday so far? All right. Well, thank you for being here, guys. Um, I just wanted to just dive right in here. Can you give us a little background on yourself and how you got into the whiskey business? Of course. Of course. Um, yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> 28 years ago, to be precise, I got into the whiskey business. Although my first taste of Glendonic, I shouldn't really say this, but it was in 1976 when the distillery first opened the visitor centre. And I was born and brought up right beside Glendronic. So my dad took me into visitor centre and I tried a little thimbleful of Glendronic 1968. Back then it was eight years old. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I I was uh, born into family who loved malt whiskey, you know, right on my doorstep, pretty much. Um, So it was kind of, you know, my hobby at university. It was my hobby. I did medicine first and then chemistry. And and then it was just complete serendipity because I had no idea you could work in this industry um, when I was at university. Had no idea. And just happened to be cycling past the career service on the last day the very last day, a job was advertised at the Scotch Whiskey Research Institute, working for the late, great Dr. Jim Swan. And he was my mentor. So, um, yeah, and the rest is history, really, because I was there for four years and really managed to do a lot of research into flavour, warehousing, wood quality, 
everything, everything you can think of um, in terms of the process and how it developed flavour. Um, and uh, and then on to Glenmore and Jane Arbeg for 17 years. Glenmurray as well, a few blends in there. Great experience. Um, and then Beam Centauri with, with, um, with Bill Moore and Ockintosh and Glengarry and then Lefroy and Ardmore. And now with Brown Foreman, with, um, I've come right back home. So I've been on Isla with all the Isla distilleries. I've been in the far north at Glamorangie, um, up in Tain. Um, and, and, and now I get to go home to where I was born. That's amazing. So, yeah, so the three distilleries that Brown Foreman has now. I mean, Brown Foreman is the only American company to own Scotch distilleries. And um, when I uh, was asked to go for this job um, just two and a half years ago, um, I didn't have to think twice. <laughs> I was straight in there and had worked with Brown Foreman when it owned um, Glamorangie back, you know, um, more than 15 years ago. So it was the, the perfect journey for me to... And that um, first little thimble. Yeah, that first the little thimble. <laughs> but it's interesting because um, the three distilleries are all completely different. Obviously, we're trying Glendronic tonight, but we also have Ben Riek and Glen Glasser. And what I love about them is they're all so different. You know, we can go from the Ben to the Glen to the Sea. Not many, you know, other companies can say that um, within a triangle um, of only 30 kilometers between each distillery. So literally, if you come and visit, you can visit all three in one day, but I would advise to take at least a week. <laughs> really would. Um, and and, and the, everything, you know, I'm, I'm a believer, um, for the cynics, I'm going to get challenged on this. I'm a believer in the idea of terroir. Just because we've got 133 distilleries in Scotland and no two are the same. How can that be in a tiny country, you know? Um, and, you know, Glendronic is old school single malt. It's just great to be here because when you come to the distillery to visit, yeah, has anyone been to Glendronic? You've been. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. You know what I'm talking about then. Um, when you go to the um, distillery, you will... Um, see that actually the visitor centre's just been redone and it looks very much like this. When I walked in there, I was like, oh my goodness, this is home from home. <laughs> Incredible. Um, dark wood panels, everything, everything. You know, this is the perfect Glendronic room, honestly. Well, very festive. It is, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up that thing about terroir because I feel like a lot of the time when you're talking about whiskey, people just get really caught up in... I mean, a few certain things. Barrel, most of all. Yes, you talk about your green, but you don't really talk about terroir too much unless you're talking about wine or mezcal. I feel like at least some of the consumers here in America are really focused and trying to geek out about what's in the juice, what the fermentation process is, and what the barrel aging is like. But they never really talk about yeah. terroir too much. Well, in my view, everything makes a difference. Mm -hmm. okay? Absolutely. Everything makes a difference. And you, you almost spoil it by dissecting it. <laughs> in some ways, because, you know, where that distillery is in the world is influenced by 
the temperature, the humidity, the soil type, the natural microflora, what's growing right beside the distillery. Um, and Glendronic is deep down in the Valley of Forg, um, which is in the East Highlands. Um, you might be surprised that it's one of only three distilleries that's in that part of Scotland. I mean, it is remarkable that that's the case because Glendronic, when you go to the distillery, you'll see the distillery's deep down in the valley, but the, um, they're surrounded by barley fields, surrounded by barley fields. Um, so it's quite incredible that you know, there's not more um, distilleries in that part. There's actually more castles than distilleries in that part of Scotland. You know, you vouch for that. So when you go from Aberdeen to Glendronach, um, very quickly you'll see signs for castles everywhere. Five castles, the closest. We've got 300 castles um, beside Glendronach, basically. And when you try, I mean, I've analysed a lot of water from um, different distilleries. And, and when, when you taste it, if you compare like the water at Glendronach to the water at Glenglatha, very different. You know, Glendronach's almost, water's almost got this body to it. It's difficult to describe. Whereas at Glenglassa, it's like the highest mineral water in, in the mainland of Scotland. And that has a incredible minerality when you try it. So definitely makes a difference. I'm not going to dissect it and tell you how much, what percentage it is. <laughs> we all have but, this first mark in our hand. We, yeah. uh, Maria, this is the Glendronic, the 12 year, yes. correct? This is old style single malt, old school single malt. There's not many distilleries can say that. Well, Glendronic's you know, one of the first licensed distilleries in Scotland, right? Yeah, 1826. So um, it's, um, it was illicit before then. <laughs> Heading away in the valley of, Bram valley of the Brambles. That's what Glendronic means. Um, and it was hidden away. And even if you go there to this day, you'll be able to vouch for this. You can't see it until you're right at it. Awesome. So it was perfect from hiding from the excise man. And of course, we've got the Parliament of Rooks, of, of blackbirds or ravens, that guard the distillery. And, you know, um, if you stay at Glendronach Distillery, you know, you probably will get woken up throughout the night by the caw, caw, caw. It's a bunch of, de it's a bunch of degenerate birds that are yeah. uh, getting those alcohol fumes in and just stay in there, you know? Yeah. That's what I like to think, at least, yeah, you know? It's just like every 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 the, every the uh, rook in the parliament has their own character. Yeah, they sure do, I mean, sure do. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that's always, is it just because there's like a, just an abundance of them in that area? Or is it something that you can really find at other distilleries as well? Or why do you, what's no, the history behind them? No, are there any kind I of think, tall tales? Well, I mean, it's obviously, a lot, a lot of it's to do with the trees that we've got. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of Scottish larch trees um, right at Glendronach. And Scot uh, Scottish larch is what we use in our washbacks wash as well, interestingly. So everything is really, really local. And you're using wooden washbacks? Wash wooden washbacks, yeah. I'm gonna, well, do you want me to tell you a yeah. bit about the distillery? Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> we're, I'm, we're jumping before back we and forth. <laughs> before we taste, before we taste. Um, so what makes Glendronach special? Well, what's... Uh, everything is sourced from Scotland, apart from the oak casks. Um, the water comes from the Balnoon Hills um, from a spring. Um, however, it, it filters through um, um, 
sort of granite flints. Do you know where Glendronic is, is the, the best agriculture in Scotland? That's probably why there's so many castles, because the landowners were extremely wealthy because of the rich, rich, rich agriculture in that part, um, part of Scotland. Um, and uh, yeah, it's very clay, it's a clay-like soil. So it's actually more like the soil type that you find in Bordeaux that goes into the grapes that are grown for like Chateau de Lafitte or Chateau Petrus, which are, is more clay-like. Um, the malted barley, obviously we've got a lot of barley around the distillery and some of that will go into um, Glendronic. It's all Scottish barley, malted locally, and um, we use distiller's yeast during fermentation. So we've got an amazing mash tun. Nobody else has got one like this in the industry. Copper dome top, cast iron. So right back to when things were made of cast iron and copper. There's no stainless steel that you can see in that distillery, apart from, I think, the pot ale tank that then um, obviously goes to spread on the, on the fields. Um, and everything is copper or it's wood, um, Scottish larch or oak. Um, the, the mashing takes six hours. Now, most distilleries, and certainly louter tons, take three hours. They're more efficient but it's not as good for the whiskey, okay? So a, a copper mash tun with a rake and plough is really, really slow, six hours, and it creates a great filter bed to create a, a, a very clear wort, which is very, very important to make fruity flavours. And then in fermentation, we've got nine washbacks that are made of Scottish larch, as I mentioned, and this is really, really important because we um, have a longer fermentation, around 60 hours, yeah. and distiller's yeast um, produces the flavours um, within 34 hours, okay? So you're going to get the, most of the flavours formed um, from biochemistry in 34 hours. After that, a lot of it is down to the microflora, okay? So that's where the microflora and the wooden washbacks kind of get to have their say. And also, um, you know, the microflora in the air as well, which is idea of terroir, I suppose, you know. Um, and there is fermentation just happens naturally over, over that time period. So we get a, a fuller bodied wash or strong beer at 8% than many distilleries. Um, and then, of course, we've got our copper pot stills, um, which are not like any other ones I've seen in the industry. Call saxophone, right? I call them saxophones, yes, yes. Um, which is an instrument I will play one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna, before we get into, into the, the intricacies of this uh, the saxophone, I'll just do, let's taste this uh, Glendronic. Yeah, have and we a can taste keep, and I'll tell you a little yeah, more. Yeah, absolutely, okay. as we taste through these marks. So 12 years of maturation, the saxophone-shaped stills, they're actually more like Sharon Tay stills than cognac, if anyone is interested in cognac. So James Allardyce, who's our founder, um, he was a very wise man. He was a, a, a complete extrovert, very exuberant, um, but also he, um, he was an architect. He, he, he was a builder as well. And I think he was a very wise man because uh, back in 1826, 
the spirits that came into the United Kingdom would have been sherry, port, and um, claret, and also brandy. Okay, so they would have been the casks that you know um, could be used after they were shipped across in cask, and. Um, I think that you know the synchronicities with that that still shape are amazing because it, it literally is like a swan neck. So up up the still, there's a boil ball up the still, and then it's a, a a hook in the wash still like that. And I've not seen anything like it apart from a cognac still. So that's part of what makes it really really special. So off the still, the spirit is like it's like Valley of the Bramble. Somehow the brambles get into that spirit. <laughs> Don't ask me how. Don't ask me how, yeah, and somehow all the flavours I remember from when I was a girl and picking the blackberries at the distillery in the valley, um, all of those are in the spirit of the still. What Glendronic has is light and dark. It has duality. And this is extremely rare in single malt to have that duality. Because some other distilleries have small stills and take a shortcut, but it's just one slice. Glendronic has the top notes and the base notes. So everything from orange and brambles and citrus, right through to tobacco and leather. Um, just like here in this this room, you know? It's, yeah, uh, I'm yeah, getting a lot school. of like kind of clove on this too. Like clove, Spice. I'm getting that burnt oranges, some baking spices as well. Um, this is beautiful. This Glendronic, if I wanted to get this for my home bar, Stephanie, where you, what, how much would this cost me at my local liquor store? $49.99. $49.99. Beautiful spirit. You know, this is quality, yeah. you know, and uh, the number of uh, aficionados and connoisseurs I've spoken to, and, and, and they just say, this is, this is like what the best malt whiskey used to be like in the 60s and 70s. It's delicious. You know, it hasn't changed. It's it stood the test of the time. It's still got all that... For me, the word I would use most for Glendronic is character. It has character, okay? And the, the main facets that Glendronic um, reveals and across the range that we're gonna try is robust. East Highland malt, it's robust. It's got that slight earthiness or tobacco, which gives it, or meatiness, um, which gives it the body. Um, it's elegant. Um, just like those saxophone stills, it's got lots of top notes. It's fruity, like the Valley of the Brambles, and it's also full-bodied and quite mellow as well. So all of that goes into making Glendronic off the still, which makes it the perfect uh, spirit to go into sherry casks. So 1826, it would have all been sherry casks the spirit went into. And, um, and today we continue that. So. I, I was in uh, Seville and Jerez just three weeks ago. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Not you the know. worst job in the world. <laughs> yeah, and it's so important to get the quality of the cast right. We only fill Spanish oak sherry casks. Are the barrels wet before you get them? All the staves, are, not the staves even, this, just the logs and then the, um, yeah, the, the staves that are then raised into the cask have a higher moisture content to start with, mm -hmm. but that's the same for all cooperage, but it's yeah. actually quite high, yes, higher, um, around about 45% or quite a high percentage moisture. And then they do bake out in the sun for a period of time, but not too long. 
So it's critically important to um, to allow them to um, to weather, I suppose, mm -hmm. in the sun over um, 12 to 18 months. Okay, but don't go beyond 18 months because you will bake the staves before they've even been raised into a cast. <laughs> the the Spanish oak comes from Galicia, gets shipped down, it lays out in the yard, bakes in the sun for one season sure. of summer, and then it goes to um, a winter. It's, well, it's a bit like here, isn't yeah. it? Winter in Seville is like winter in LA. There is no <laughs> There is no It was so hot weather. today. It was so hot today. The last two days as well. I couldn't believe it. It's incredible when you see the selection process because only a number of those staves actually get selected to go into raising um, the, the punchin or the butt or the hogshead. And um, the, uh, the rest... Um, or it's put aside, so probably they select about a half for for um, raising the the high quality sherry cask, and the rest is used for toasting the the cask when it's raised. So Maria just came stages. around with the second mark. What's the second mark, Maria, that you came around uh, with? The fifteen. The fifteen mm. year. Mm. So the twelve year old, if you've still got some left, is um, like burnt orange. It has dark fruit, the brambles, beautiful 12-year-old balance between distillery character and the sherry cask maturation. This is great because it's got wonderful warming gingerbread flavors. It's almost like mulled glendronic. It's got mm -hmm. the spice, it's got the body, it's got lots of texture. Perfect for Christmas. Perfect for Christmas. Um, and then, and perfect with cheese as well. I've been doing mm. quite a lot with cheese recently. <laughs> um, beautiful. Um, but the 15 year olds, um, so my biggest challenge is to get, make the 12 year old um, this delicious taste every single bottle. Are there days where you wake up and your palate's maybe a little bit off or your nose is a little bit off? What do you do to kind of prepare before you go into work and kind of make sure that your palate and your nose is completely reset before you go in for a day of work? Breathe. Breathe. <laughs> does, it, does it affect you here? I mean, you're already a little sick, but maybe I'm thinking the air is not so, the air quality is not as good here or in New Jersey as well, it is in Well, it's fascinating because I, I do travel, about not that much, only five weeks a year maximum. So I get to come to the States for two weeks a year. Um, and I, I, I find when I go to Asia or um, in Europe, different places, Paris, for example, I was recently London, um, or indeed Seville, it does influence your senses incredibly so. And you find different elements in different parts of the world. And that is so inspirational for me because I can just take all that back mm -hmm. and inform cast selection future so yeah just breathe you know the senses are all connected I think that's what I'm trying to say in that um, you know if I'm doing stop modeling um, during the day and doing lots of analysis I've got quite a serious job really um, that I do a lot of number crunching in terms of planning the stocks over the next 30 years you know somebody's got to look into that crystal ball um, and, and, and Brown Foreman is a, a, a wonderful company for building forever. That's the mantra. So we're looking out to, you know, 2040. Wow. You know? Uh, yeah, exactly. So, and uh, that is really, really important, taking that long, long-term view. 
Um, but yeah, we've not even tasted this. Right, yet, let's but, go ahead uh, and breathe, <laughs> breathe this this whiskey in this fifteen year Glendronic. So what this are you guys was getting on yeah, this. This was my biggest challenge last year because, as some of you might know, there was a fifteen year old revival, and it was quite meaty, um, and in some ways, like the eighteen year olds, um, it was overaged, as I'm sure some of you know if you know Glendronic. Um, and what I wanted to do was to create um, a 15-year-old that really um, celebrated and nurtured the essence of Glendronic at 15. I know what 18 does and what 12 does, and I wanted to create distinctiveness. And it's really interesting how um, different people prefer different expressions. So you'll have people adamant go, 15-year-old, no, I don't like it, but I love the 18-year-old. And there's an equal number will do the opposite. I was getting almost like a weird, like, um, kind of like uh, if lychee was dipped in tobacco. Yeah, so the tobacco comes through, yeah. but there's also the elegance. For me, this has an exquisite elegance. Go ahead and tap some over your tongue. Where are you guys getting on this uh, 15 over here? I think it's a little bit more drying than the than the than the twelve. Yeah, there's more petrohemineth in this one. Okay. The twelve-year-old <coughs> is around kind of eighty percent petrohemineth and twenty percent oloroso. Can you just briefly for the for the podcast yeah, and everyone listening out it. there, can you explain uh, what uh, what kind of key characteristics we're going to be getting from an oloroso from a petrohemineth? Okay, I mean petrohemineth casts for me are the king of sherry. Okay, and we buy the most Petrohemineth casks in the industry, period. I know that for a fact. Um, and I think it works tremendously well with Glendronach's um, kind of fruitiness and also its elegance. Because when you try Petrohemineth, it's really, really sweet. Um, it lifts and it lengthens. Um, just like those saxophone stills and it gives you that exquisite balance um, with Oloroso it's um, it's a little bit more um, more spicy and um, a little bit more kind of nutty as well so nutty oily spicy with the um, with the Oloroso yeah what do you think beautiful stuff Gorgeous. If I wanted to get this bottle for my home bar, this 15 over here, Stephanie, how much would it cost me at my local liquor store? $85. Oh. Gorgeous. I find if this exquisite. If you can find it, right? <laughs> True. Part of the maturation strategy and wood policy is deciding what's best to nurture the character of that distillery. Yeah. And absolutely, in my view, Pedro Jimenez and Oloroso are the best for Glendronic. Um, just because of the richness, the robust character, the fruitiness, um, the sweetness, the elegance, the oxidative sherries, in my view, are the best for Glendronic. Maria, what is this third mark that you just passed around? Uh, this is the Glendronic 18. Yeah. 18. Now, with this one, and, and I'll, I, with a lot of Glendronic, I know that it's really hot here, but I prefer my Glendronic when it's heated. You know, for me, it's a bit like a red wine, okay, because it's got lovely velvety tannins. Mm -hmm. It's got all those bramble fruits, like a Chateau Lafitte or Petrus. It's got the cherry and the blackberry 
um, tobacco, and then some leather as well. And that, to me, is the hallmark of the very, very finest single malt whiskey, is that it's, um, it's rich, it's got character, most importantly, um, it's integrated, and it has a richly satisfying finish. So I'd ask you, when you're all tasting tonight, to think about the finish, because um, I'm a judge at the International Wine and Spirits Competition, and that's what I look for most is having that richness of flavour going on and on and on, never too dry, um, beautifully balanced, exquisite, richly satisfying finish. And this one in particular has a rich view. And all this time I've been speaking, of course, I've been heating it up. <laughs> so let's go ahead and stick our nose so, through this glass. Breathe in gently through your mouth. What are you guys getting off of this 18? Oh, I mean, I've just held it held in my hand for just, you know... One minute. Ash and charcoal? Yeah. I'm getting a meatiness, um, spicy, dried fruit, leather. You know, this place is perfect for this. This is Allardyce. And James Allardyce was our founder. He's a very um, exuberant, um, extravagant man. And uh, he also um, he also was a builder. Um, so he, 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 he built the distillery in 1826. His father built um, Glen House on the Boynesville Estate in 1771. And, um, you know, that's where um, they stayed. 50 people stayed at Glendronach um, in the past. It was one of, actually, one of the biggest distilleries at the time. Yeah, people lived um, on site, correct? They lived yeah, on, on site, site, 50. And if you go there today, you might actually feel like you're in a scene from Outlander. <laughs> if anybody watches Outlander. Because <laughs> it's like a Victorian village. It's like a step back in time to the olden days. We've still got some vintage vehicles that have the Glendronic sign on them. Um, a beautiful little courtyard with cobblestones. Um, old maltings are still there. And um, the, the, the original Dunnage warehouses as well. Um, the earthen floor. Um, and we're very, very lucky to have these, um, these warehouses where they are because I think it's the best maturation in Scotland. And I've worked for a lot of distilleries and tasted a lot of whiskey, 150,000 casts to be precise. Um, and for me, I, it just is the, the most exquisite environment to mature in, you know. It's uh, like an old cave or mm -hmm. a cave, you know. Um, earthy. And I get the Dunnage warehouse character in this. Takes me straight to the warehouse. Yeah, like a wet cellar. I like how, yeah, like a cellar, exactly. Um, what's you, the proof on this? This one's uh, This one's 46%. Yeah. Um, all Glendronic is non-chill filtered. That is a huge thing. Oh, yeah. Because it means you get the maximum body and depth. It's always natural colour as well. So that gives me big challenges. Because the sherry cast maturation um, process and the, where the casts are raised, there's a lot of natural variation because it's over um, oak chips for different uh, different temperatures and different you know amount of oak chips in the fire um, quite unlike you know with bourbon cast you get a blast of gas <laughs> to, to fire the cast which is great for american oak um, but the toasted gives you um, spanish oak gives you more tannins but it also means there's more variation so um, i have to go and get all the, you know, a high proportion of the cast analyzed for different color wavelengths 
to them. So that's one tiny part <laughs> of making the whiskies complex and balanced is the colour and then also obviously the nose using different seasons. So the 12 and the 15 and the 18 are obviously um, core range products. And what I do is I, I would have at least um, six or seven distillation dates in, in each one um, to give you the layers of flavor. Because wow. during the year, um, I know some other companies say, oh, consistency, consistency, consistency. But during the year, there are these nuances, the ebb and flow of the stills. Um, you know, it is more fruity in the early summer when I used to be sent out slave labour to pick the berries. Um, um, that's that's just when it's more like that. And then into the autumn, it's a bit more nutty and a bit um, slightly more vegetal and meaty. And that's when I was set out, sent out into the tatty fields to hike tatties. So Maria just came around with the fourth mark. This is going to be which one, Maria? This is the Portwood. Portwood. So. This is Glenbrook Portwood. Yes. So what? What? No, it was in Cherry Cast first. So every drop had been in a Cherry Cask. Except it was in second full sherry and then first full port. But you still have that contact from the Spanish oak um, during the first seven years of maturation and then transferred into portwood from the Douro Valley in Portugal, which is mostly Limousin oak and it's a slightly different um, character. So this for me is takes me right back to when I was picking the blackberries the brambles um, as a child and the smells are just so reminiscent of that and they're so true to Glendronic as well you know port cast would have been filled as well so when you when you know it's quite jammy yeah totally. Yeah. so it's like my grandmother's yeah, jam from the jammy. berries how long was it age it was over three years over three years and in the, sh and in so the sherry so that's it's taken on so much you know um, character from the, the port cask. You know, for me, finishing as a process um, needs three years. So effectively, it is a maturation, because obviously three years is the minimum maturation for scotch. So anything three years above, you're, you're getting that full, pretty full maturation, um, to call it scotch. So you're getting more of the Venus character, but it's remarkable because, especially around May, June, Sometimes when I know it's the new make, I think it's almost like wine. And this is the new make before it's gone to sherry cask. Oh, wow. Ah, it's incredible. It's like the vines. It has this vinous character. Wow, this, the really texture incredible. on this is just so... It's juicy. It's silky rather than sticky. Yeah. It's a, but you still get a little bit of velvet. Mm -hmm. So it's a swathe of silk and velvet. And that just carries the... The, the, the dark fruits, so dark fruits, and the, oh, I'm getting the, some honey now. Got a so for people who enjoy finish. that, you know, pork cask uh, character, you know, this is, mm -hmm. yeah, chocolatey, coming from the Limousin Oak, dark chocolate, a little bit of walnut, but not too much. How much of this was released? How, how many bottles or cases? I mean, for the whole world, yeah. you know. You've got to think that there's a lot of people who love, <laughs> loving Glendronach. 
No, but it's pretty. I think it's sold out everywhere, pretty much. Do you um, know where? Uh, which so country about, is the highest consumers of Glendronic, or where it is? Well, the, most the U.S. Pleasant? The U.S. Okay. U.S. and Asia. And Asia. Yeah. So Maria's taking the next mark Taiwan. over here. Yeah. Maria, what are you coming around with? This but this, you're lucky guys and gals here tonight because this is why I'm here. Yes. In the US. <laughs> For the last two expressions, you're going to try. This is the first of the two. And, you know, these are just being launched here in the US now. You know, these are all, this is all new. Um, cast Strength Batch 8 is this one. 61% alcohol. It's over 10 years old. Um, so and there's some 12, 13 year old stock in there, but I get to play tunes, you know? So someone has to do that. And every batch is different. So this is quite unlike, you know, with 12 year old, I want people to just, just love it, you know, consistently. Yeah. That, oh yeah, that, that's 12 year old. I know it, it's no, perfect balance. It. And this will have batch to batch some variation because of course, you're not gonna get the same strength. It's natural cast strength. So when I get the, the bar barrels dumped, it's whatever it is in the vat naturally from the casks um, that have been uh, put together. This is around about 65% uh, Pedro Jimenez, 35% Oloroso, and within that 65% Pedro Jimenez, there's some punchins and there's also a, a small number of quarter casks. Glendon is slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. So wait for decades for beautiful stuff like this to come out. 1968 that I tried when eight years old. I want to leave one cask in the coldest part of the warehouse in a sherry butt until it's at least 65 year old when I'm supposed to retire. Ooh. We'll see. <laughs> if it well, lasts maybe that when long. that comes out, maybe you can send over a bottle to the bar Jackalope over here. <laughs> this is by far one of the smoothest spirits I've ever tried in my life. At sixty-one percent, I mean, off the still, it's off the still. Glendonic is incredibly, wow. incredibly um, smooth, um, and that's up about sixty-seven percent off the still. You know, it's really velvety incredibly warming mm -hmm. you know this is going to cure my sore throat and also my earache mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what i used to say to my dad and my grandma when i was young i got a little simple <laughs> Can I get a little bit just a little bit more <laughs> but this is going to i mean it's got it's got everything it's got sweetness it's got a little bit of spice incredible viscosity for 61 percent so on the nose, I was a little worried. I was yes. just like, wow, this is very intense. Um, I couldn't, you know, I was a little challenged. I couldn't really get anything off of the nose quite there. But as soon as I gave it a taste, it completely yeah, blew my orange, mind. Yeah, baked orange, wow. um, quite nutty as well, oily. Um, Lots of chocolate and coffee. And it's a spirit that keeps changing as you drink it. With every single sip, it's just so nuanced. Yeah. It's just so this is great right. for the holidays. Great for the holidays. You know, I would recommend this for the holidays. And if you do get a cold day here, you know, this is incredibly warming. You just have to imagine yourself. This is why you need to come to Glendon. Imagine yourself in the Highlands with a roaring fire throwing... Um, throwing 
chestnut shells on an open fire. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Okay, everyone, please be quiet. Please be quiet. Bring it down a bit. Sorry, I sounded like a school teacher there. Um, just be quiet because respect. Yes. This is 1993 vintage. It's 25 years old. So I want you to spend at least 25 seconds nosing it. And then when you do taste, I want you to spend at least 25 seconds with it coating your palate. So okay? that means I don't want to and hear want... anything for a minute. <laughs> okay. One minute of silence. <laughs> so yeah, that's why you need to just, you know, slow things down. You know, you're all seated there on these lovely, lovely chairs and you can just relax. Imagine yourself. Um, in front of the fireplace at Glendronach. Leather-bound books that we have in the boardroom. The wood-burning fire. And the brambles outside. So all of that, the leather, the brambles, you know? And I get the smell of, like this, you know, a, a, a leather um, writing bureau. This is old school malt, in my view, at its very best. Anyway, so are you are you taking your time? Are you appreciating? Please. Ah, oh, that is just so seductive on the nose. It's the only word I can think of. <laughs> 1993 vintage was a very, very, very fine vintage for Glentronic. But throughout the year in 93, there was quite a lot of variation. And if you have if, uh, any connoisseurs in the room who have some 1993 single malt that they have tried from a cask, this is, you know, I, I had some aficionados from the, what's known as the Glendronic Appreciation Society, um, at the distillery just three weeks ago. And they were like, this is the most um, interesting character that they've ever discovered in a single malt. Just because you do get these natural variations with nature um, and then the complexity that it adds when, when you bring them together. So you get, from the single cash, you might just, on, and on the, um, what date? Let me think of a good date. Um, the 12th of March, 1993, it was particularly fruity on that date, which is unusual for March. Um, and towards the end of the year, it became particularly kind of leathery like tobacco. So this whiskey is composed of 17 casks, the majority of which are Oloroso. So the cast strength is more um, PX. This is more Oloroso. So this is like the, 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 the 18 year old has grown up, grown up from college and you know, is now um, uh, married, and had kids. I, married and had kids. There you go. Although I think, I, I think it's maybe a grand, grandfather by now, or grandmother. <laughs> But please, please, please respect the finish. Think about the finish. Because as I say, that for me is the sign of the finest single malt in the world. Is the perfect 
finish that has still has character that goes on and on and on and it's absolutely delicious. This has no harsh edges. It's perfectly rounded, perfectly balanced, creamy, smooth, and ooh, so much flavor, so much character for me. Character's the word for Glendonnet. Yeah? So what do you think? Right? To character. To character. Cheers, guys. Sandra. Sandra. To nurturing the best character in every malt. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember.